Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Wilson going to the air. Chased out by Daquan Jones. Wilson looking into wide open. Touchdown! First NFL touchdown for Zach Wilson. And it goes to Corey Davis. Crowder trying to get him out of space. Slips a tackle. And there he goes. Crowder. It's a foot race. And Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. He'll hit immediately. got the handoff. You know that's the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen. Thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it's time for the Jets-Patriots postgame report. The Jets' 2021 home opener, the first game that the Jets have played in front of fans since 2019. And, well, let's just say this one didn't go the way that we were hoping. Jets get smacked 25-6. to And Andy Vasquez, who covers the Jets, for NorthJersey.com is with me to break this down. Andy, let's just say if we were to tell people that the offensive line would play pretty well, that the running game would get going, that the defense was going to play very, very well, there's almost nobody who would have said, boy, the Jets are going to get smacked. But they did. And the biggest reason why, unfortunately, is their rookie quarterback, number two, Zach Wilson. Now we're going to get into all the other aspects of the game. We'll talk about what happened on the Patriots side of the ball. But first and foremost, we've got to talk about Zach Wilson. This was as bad as it can get for a rookie. Now I want everybody to keep in mind, it was his second ever start. First start in front of a home crowd at MetLife Stadium. So you got to cut him at least a little bit of slack there because it's not like he's a three or four year veteran. And I'm going to have some points of comparison for you after Andy talks about everything that he saw up close today. Final stat line, 19 of 33, 210 yards, four interceptions. That was the killer. And two of those came on the first two passes that Zach Wilson threw. And on at least two of them, we had no idea what he was even looking at. This is a brutal performance. Andy, you joked with me before we started recording that you couldn't believe that Wilson completed 19 passes and I'll be honest, I agree. I don't remember him completing more than a handful of passes. That's one of those things where I guess your mind plays tricks on you or maybe because the game got out of hand at one point. 
our eyes and ears and minds were drifting off into other directions. But the Jets lost this game first and foremost, as I said, because of Zach Wilson. This could not have gone worse, especially considering the fact that he played really well in the second half last week. And fans were excited for this game. It was the first one in front of a home crowd in a long time. It was against the Patriots. It was Robert Sala's first game as the head coach. They were expecting the shiny new toy to, at the very least, give them a competent performance. And he gave them the farthest thing from that. Yeah, I mean, I would be careful. Uh, I mean, you have a lot of experience as a Jets fan. and I have some limited experience as a beat writer. I would be careful saying it could not have gone worse, but (laughs) it would be hard for it to go worse. Yeah, two interceptions on his first two passes. Three out of the first five were picked. Four out of the first ten. It was bad. It was really bad. Uh, It's not the end of the world it doesn't mean that Zach Wilson's going to be a bust it's not over for him he had a bad game in a in a big spot uh and it was his performance was the reason that they lost the game I don't think there's really any other way to say it uh he's he's learning and he figured out some stuff in the second half against Carolina when he needed to make plays for the Jets to get back into the game and he was able to do it today it seemed like he was in that playmaking mode above all else from the beginning of the game and that did not work for him uh he was baited into some mistakes he he obviously made some some really bad decisions and also made some really bad throws where accuracy was an issue and it was a shame to see because i will tell you metlife stadium early on in this game was rocking and ready to to roar and and jets fans brought the energy and the intensity and his performance took a lot of that air out of the building. And then by the fourth quarter, when he's missing open receivers, he, he got booed. And, and that's not really fair for a rookie in his first start at home. But also, it's understandable because Jets fans have been through a really rough decade and, and a really rough last five years and, and a really rough time against the Patriots. This was their 11th straight loss against New England. They haven't beaten the Patriots since December of 2015 when they won that game in overtime, uh, there's a lot of frustration. And and this was not what Jets fans came to see week one of the season. So I understand the frustration. I understand uh, how brutal that was to have to watch. But it is not the end of the season. It is not the end of Zach Wilson's time uh, with the Jets as a quarterback. It does not mean he's going to be a disaster. It just means he needs to figure out how to manage his emotions and and manage his game when there's a big game like this. Uh, And and he certainly will have learned a lot from today, but it was not pretty. Should mention that Zach Wilson got booed a couple of times today, and there was a lot of chatter about that. And me personally, I wouldn't boo Zach Wilson. I don't think that it was for lack of effort or that he was intentionally playing poorly or being lazy or anything like that. I think he just had a rough day. I generally would only boo if I think a player is completely lollygagging. An example would be that stretch a couple of years ago where Jamal Adams was going through his hissy fit and wasn't giving full effort on the field. Another example would be is if I just got so frustrated like at the end of the Gase era or at the end of the Kotite era where booing is just about the only thing left to do. Other than that, I'm not really somebody that boos. 
So I wouldn't have done it. But I do understand. You got to remember, fans pay a lot of money for these tickets. They've been waiting a long time to go to a game like this. They spent so much time in the parking lot, a lot of them, tailgating, drinking before the game. They had anticipated seeing Zach Wilson for the first time live in person. They're going up against the New England Patriots. You put all these things together, and it's such a disaster. It's going to happen. The frustrations boil over. So it kind of reminds me, Andy, as I was telling you, of that old Chris Rock bit about O.J. Simpson where he says, I'm not saying he should have killed her, but I understand. I'm not saying they should have booed him, but I understand. So for anybody that booed him, I wouldn't have, but I understand why it happened. Hopefully, he doesn't give you much reason to even consider booing him again going forward. But I do also want to point out, Andy, as you said, this was a terrible game. There's no way around it. But there are people, of course, that are overreacting now and saying that this proves that the Jets reach for Zach Wilson or, hey, what do you expect? He was playing against guys that are going to be army captains or garbage men at BYU. He wasn't playing top competition. This is a long way from playing Coastal Carolina. I just want to point out a couple of examples to you for people that are saying there's no parallel. Geno Smith in his second season with the Jets. I remember this game vividly. They were playing the Buffalo Bills. He was two for his first eight through three interceptions, was benched immediately in the first quarter by Rex Ryan. That's in his second season, by the way. Then we get to Mark Sanchez, and I remember this game vividly. It was the sixth game of his rookie season because I almost froze to death. I only wore a long sleeve shirt that day. I had no idea how cold it was going to be. It turned out to be like five degrees. I have no idea how I made it out of the stadium without hypothermia. But Mark Sanchez was 10 of 29 for 119 yards and five interceptions. Also took two sacks. Single-handedly cost them the game that day. Of course, there's the famous Sam Darnold seeing ghosts game. And the stat line for that one was absolutely horrendous. 11 of 32, 86 yards and four interceptions. And then just for frame of reference, Justin Fields got in for the first time today at quarterback. When Andy Dalton got hurt, he was 6 of 13 for 60 yards and an interception. And here's Trevor Lawrence in his first two games with the Jacksonville Jaguars. He has a 50% completion percentage, four touchdowns, five interceptions, and a 57 quarterback rating. So needless to say, he's been playing terribly in Jacksonville so far we are not going to hear the same type of chatter about how Trevor Lawrence is a lost cause and he stinks nor should we by the way so I'm just trying to put this in perspective and get everybody to understand that it's just one game and it doesn't tell the whole tale and it's in no way over for Zach Wilson and everybody needs to take a deep breath and go for a walk outside and get some fresh air and let Zach Wilson lick his wounds and try to come back against the Denver Broncos I will say this, though, Andy, two guys that weren't in the lineup today that I do think could have helped Zach Wilson. I'm not saying it would have changed the outcome of the game, but it certainly couldn't have made it worse. Jamison Crowder, who it looked like was a sure bet to play. Then we find out this morning that he was inactive. Apparently it was a groin issue, but it was very strange. I'm going to let you talk about that in a second. And Denzel Mims. I don't want to beat a dead horse, but it's getting really apparent to me and to a lot of other people that something is going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. Maybe he's displaying a foul attitude. Maybe they don't like his work ethic. Maybe he's showing up late for practice or something and we're not aware of it. 
but something is happening here because especially with Crowder not active today, it does not make any sense that Denzel Mims wouldn't have dressed. Bart Scott did an impassioned rant on the post game about this. He talked about it at length, and I don't think he's wrong at all. He basically said, look, this kid's 6'2", 215. You can't sit there and say, oh, he's not an expert at every wide receiver spot on the field. You can't say that because you're not going to be able to convince me that Elijah Moore is a PhD-level expert or that Jeff Smith is or Braxton Berrios or all of these guys. I'm sure Denzel Mims doesn't know every single part of the playbook, but if you're a coach, your job is to get the most out of the talent you have. And as Bart Scott said, you can't coach six foot two, 215 pounds. We've seen tape on this guy in another system, in a worse system, by the way, with Adam Gase. There's no way you're going to be able to convince most people that he's not one of the 53 best players the Jets have. He should have been out there, especially since you knew they were going to try to take Corey Davis away. Mims gives you a weapon you can use not only downfield, but obviously in red zone situations where he can jump up and grab the ball. So Jamison Crowder, obviously a very strange situation. And Denzel Mims, another one. As Leger Duzabal said, it's starting to feel like there's something personal going on. Both of these guys inactive today. I think both of them could have helped. I wish they'd have played. I'm still trying to wrap my head around why they didn't. Yeah, with Mims, what Robert Sala said is that he doesn't understand the playbook to the point. And now I'm paraphrasing. I'm, I'm reading between the lines. But he said mm-hmm. you have to have a full understanding of the all the positions at receiver. And you have to be better than the guys in front of you. And right now, Mims isn't at that point. And... If you believe that, what he's basically saying is that this guy isn't a scheme fit for us, and until he proves that he can overcome that by knowing the playbook better, he's not going to get much time. And and that's just kind of crazy to me because Mm -hmm. as a coaching staff, your job is not to get the player to fit the scheme, but it's to get the most out of your players. And Mims clearly has some skills. The guy hasn't regressed since last year. He's still the same guy. He can go up and get the ball in traffic. He can stretch the field uh, and beat teams deep. And he's not the greatest route runner. None of this is breaking news or or a shock. This is all things that the Jets have known since they drafted him and that we saw last year. So he hasn't taken a step back. Uh, It doesn't make sense that they can't find a role for him. And every game he's not playing or playing three snaps is a missed opportunity for development. So where do you go from here if he can't get back on the field for two, three, four weeks? Salah said that he had another great week of practice and that he doesn't think it'll be long. But he also said that the guys in front of him today, like Braxton Berrios, like uh, Keelan Cole, and the other receivers like Jeff Smith, he said that those guys are practicing well too and, and it's not fair to keep them off the field and that you have to play really well uh, to get on the field, and that's what the Jets do in this system. They, they're not going to just give a guy playing time because he was a second-round pick last year. Now, I'm paraphrasing again with that, but that's basically what he says. You have to earn your time on the field. So if, if Mims can't get past these guys, does he have a future with this team? They, if he doesn't play this year, they can't trade him for anything of value because he mm-hmm. hasn't shown anything and proven anything. So mm-hmm. it's a – it's going to be an issue going forward and, and just not even reading between the lines, just between what's solid told us today. Um, it, it's going to continue to be an issue. And, and I don't know what Denzel Mims future is a short term or long term with the jets right now. Now, as, as for Jameson Crowder, it is a strange situation because he came off the COVID list. I believe on Wednesday, he practiced Thursday and Friday. 
Salah said that he was trending towards playing. Crowder spoke after practice on Friday and said that his groin was not a concern for him. And had he not been on the COVID list week one, he would have been able to play. And then Salah said after today's game that Crowder did not play because he tweaked his groin during Friday's practice and the Jets wanted to give him more time. So Crowder has every reason to want to be out in the field. This is a contract year for him. He wants to prove that he still can be a meaningful part of an offense. And and this is an audition for him to prove to other teams that he's worth paying in 2022. He's not out on the field. And, and Salah said earlier in the week that getting guys like Cole and, and Crowder back would be priceless for Zach Wilson because having veteran receivers in there allow you to make up for some of the mistakes that, that happened in week one where guys were out of position and the offense wasn't in sync. And, and for Crowder not to be on the field because maybe he wasn't at 100%, it is a little puzzling. Maybe we'll get a more thorough explanation for that on Monday. But as for right now, uh, it's, it's something to watch moving forward because there's every reason on both sides for Crowder to be on the field, and he wasn't today. I just want to point out that one thing that drives me nuts about the Denzel Mims thing, and you sort of hit on this a little bit, Andy, is the whole he's not a fit for our scheme mentality. I've always felt that you've got to go talent over scheme and that the best coaches do that. And I still say that the biggest mistake that Bill Parcells made when he was coach of the Jets and the guy that ran the team and the personnel when he was here is that he came in and he decided that Hugh Douglas was not a fit for what he wanted to do. Hugh Douglas had 18 sacks in his first two seasons under Rich Kotite. He'd won Defensive Rookie of the Year in 1995 with 10 sacks. He devalued Hugh Douglas by reducing what he did best in his third season here with the Jets in 97, which was Bill Parcells' first year here. His sack totals dropped to four from eight the year before, and... It made him worth a lot less in a trade. He shipped him off to the Eagles for a second-round pick that got used on Dorian Boost, by the way, who did nothing. And then Hugh Douglas went on to three all-pro teams with the Philadelphia Eagles and had an outstanding career, which he could have had here if Parcells hadn't have been so stubborn. Similar thing happened with Eric Mangini. He did it with Jonathan Vilma, decided Vilma was not a fit for what he wanted to do, really devalued him, shipped him off for what I believe ended up being a third and fourth round pick, and we all know what happened there. He went on to be a multiple-time all-pro linebacker with the Saints and won a Super Bowl there. I am not trying to compare Denzel Mims to those two guys because those guys both had excellent careers and they had produced a lot more even before they were shipped off than Mims has now. I'm just saying that when you have a player with that kind of talent, you should do everything you can to put him in a position to maximize what he does best rather than just stubbornly say he doesn't fit your system or what you want to do. I think that's what the best coaches do. I don't really agree with the way they're handling this. We'll see how it develops over time. Maybe it's a tough love situation. Maybe, as we said, there's something going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. But as of right now, I'm definitely disappointed in the way that they're handling things. But one thing that I was not disappointed in today, Andy, was the defense. They did an outstanding job, especially considering the fact that Zach Wilson put them in a really bad spot multiple times 
throughout the game. They got pressure on Mac Jones. They were able to hold the Patriots numerous times out of the end zone, several times scoreless, a couple times to field goals on short fields. I thought they got great play, particularly from the defensive backfield, which you weren't expecting. Michael Carter II has been really good. Javelin Guidry really stepped up. Bryce Hall has looked fantastic the first couple of games. And then on the interior defensive line, John Franklin Myers and Sheldon Rankins got in there for sacks. I thought that the Jets defense played really well, and I love what Jeff Ulbrich has done so far with this unit. Yeah, it's hard to argue with the defense. And just one last word on the Mims thing, just to be clear. The Jets haven't straight up said with their explanations that he's not a good scheme fit, but everything... right about those explanations is implying that. Mm-hmm. So I did, yep. they haven't said it, but they're saying it without saying it. Mm-hmm. Now, going back to the defense, uh, yeah, I mean, the only complaint you could have about the defense through two games is that they haven't really forced any turnovers. I think just one on the Sam Darnold uh, fumble uh, near the goal line. So that wasn't really even on them. It, it was on a mistake from Darnold. So you'd like to see them force more turnovers, but especially early in the game today when Wilson was doing everything he could to turn this into a blowout early. The defense kept it close. Sheldon Rankins had his first sack, a big one. Marcus May with a rare sack, only the third full sack of his career on a safety blitz that got home. Uh, And John Franklin Myers continues to impress. And like you said, the cornerbacks, the young cornerbacks have not been the problem. Uh, They've all been really impressive. And, the young linebackers too. I mean, they haven't been an issue. And CJ Mosley had some nice moments today where he kind of looked like the player of old. So if the jets keep playing like this defensively, it's going to be kind of a stunning season from the defense where nobody expected them to be the strength of this team. But here it is. They, they have been the strength of this team through two games and you got to give all the credit in the world to Jeff Ulbrich. You got to give credit to Salah who obviously has a big hand in what the, the jets are doing defensively. Uh, they gambled on the, on the young cornerbacks. And so far that gamble has paid off. They gambled on the young linebackers. And so far that gamble has paid off uh, a lot of season left to go. But if the jets defense keeps playing like this and, and Zach Wilson can get it together, this team is going to be pretty competitive. Uh, but yeah, moving forward, and as you said before, nothing should be written in stone with Zach Wilson. All you need to do is see him kind of turn the page and get the needle headed in the right direction and just have a good, solid, steady performance against Denver. And if you keep getting what you're getting from the defense, the Jets are going to be in that game. But obviously, it's going to be a huge challenge against Denver because they made life very tough on, on the quarterbacks for the Giants and the quarterbacks for Jacksonville in these first two games. I will say, though, Andy, I expected the Patriots to dominate in the trenches, and they didn't. And part of that is because the offensive line played a lot better than they played last week. George Fant was the weak link today, but overall, the offensive line held up pretty well, and they got pushed in the running game. We saw really nice performances from Michael Carter and from Ty Johnson and his magic thighs. Copyright the very big deal, Chris Nimbley, 2021. But they both ran very well. And Michael Carter, I'll tell you, that kid has got 
a motor that doesn't stop. Even in the fourth quarter, when the game was far out of reach, he was fighting for every single yard he could get. I really liked what I saw out of the backfield, and I loved the fact that the offensive line held up so much better today. If the defense plays the way that it did, and the offensive line can hold up like this, and the running game can perform at an adequate level like it did today, as you said, if Zach Wilson gets back on track, the Jets should be competitive in most of the games. The big question, of course, is whether or not Zach Wilson's going to get back on track. Yeah, and that's not a given, but again, it's way too early to be hitting the panic button. This was a very bad game, and, and it was bad on, on some historical levels, but it also was one game he showed in the second half against Carolina that he can be successful at this level. It is way too early to write him off and give the Jets offensive line credit for bouncing back from a ridiculously bad performance in week one where they hung the quarterback out to dry. Uh, they protected him well today for the most part. It wasn't perfect, but you, the Jets don't have one of the better offensive lines in the league, even if everything's clicking. It's never going to be perfect. And, and they averaged somewhere around five yards per carry, I think, when it was all said and done, uh, around 30 carries for 150 yards. That's exactly what you want out of your running game. And, and the Patriots did a nice job against the Dolphins in week one of not allowing them to run the ball. So uh, they it can be done. That may have been kind of game plan driven, too. The Patriots may have said, like, we're going to let you run the ball on us and we're going to sit in coverage and, and make – Wilson make tough decisions and we don't think he'll make the right ones. Maybe that was the game plan and maybe that had something to do with it. So I think we need to see a larger sample size before we uh, believe that this is what we're going to see out of the running game in the offensive line in terms of running the ball every week. But it was a very big step in the right direction for the offensive line. And, and now let's see if they can build on it and kind of put it all together offensively. Uh, it's going to be really hard next week against the the Broncos, but it's going to be an interesting challenge. And, and I'll say this about the Jets. They weren't good today, but they were very interesting, and it, it's going to continue to be interesting going forward. Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet. Andy, one thing that I wanted to talk about before we get into what was said after the game and the injury situation is the play calling. It mystified me again this week. I didn't understand why after Zach Wilson threw interceptions on his first two passes, Mike LaFleur didn't really rein it in a lot and just basically tell Zach Wilson, just take what the defense gives you. We're going to keep it conservative. We're going to strictly run the ball and do these short passes and kind of follow what the Patriots were doing more or less with Mac Jones, make it much easier on him. It seemed very clear to me that Wilson was flustered and lost his way and needed to be controlled by Mike LaFleur and the rest of the coaching staff. And that didn't seem to happen. There were a couple of times where Wilson again went down the field when I didn't think he should have. It led to some more careless mistakes. So that was another critique that I had here. I don't really love what Mike LaFleur has done the first two games. Again, it's early. He's a first-time offensive coordinator, so I don't want to draw any definitive conclusions. But I saw some worrying signs the first two weeks, and today I didn't really like what I saw. Yeah, I I have a couple thoughts on that. First of all, I'll give Mike LaFleur credit. He took a large share of the blame for what happened with Zach Wilson and, and the protection issues in week one and said a lot of it was on him, and I would expect him to be accountable. Um, when we talk to him next week about what happened with Zach Wilson today, I think 
like you said, it was a mistake to rain to not rain the play calling in a little earlier. I think he did a better job in the second half, and and uh, you got to give Lafleur credit for that mm-hmm. in terms of he has made some adjustments and and gotten better play. It, Wilson threw the interception early in the second half, uh, and didn't throw another one after that. I mean, that's you know a small consolation on a very bad day. So I don't want to make more of it than it is, but. Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, he's learning too. And I don't know if Wilson was flustered. I, that that was one thing I didn't see today is that he didn't seem to get flustered or lose his confidence. But I think he didn't have the right mindset or the right approach after those interceptions. Uh, and it would have been a good time for Mike LaFleur to get him in that right mindset and, and get him to take that right approach where he was playing more conservatively and it never happened. I think that was more the issue than him being flustered is that he just didn't know how to dial it back in a situation that required it to be dialed back. And that's something he's going to have to learn because if he doesn't, he's not going to have success in this league. And that goes for both LaFleur and for, for Wilson. Unquestionably, Andy, we're going to have to monitor both of those guys and see how they do the rest of the season. As we said, it's only two games. Plenty of time to turn this around, so let's hope that that's what happens. Where do we stand with the injuries? We talked about Jamison Crowder. We obviously know about Makai Becton. Talked about that earlier in the week. He's going to have surgery and miss four to eight weeks. What did we hear about coming out of this game? So uh, it was a pretty good injury day for the Jets. The only player they lost during the game was Brandon Eccles. And to be honest with you, I'm not sure if he returned to the game at some point or not. That kind of got lost in the shuffle and the avalanche of, of interceptions. But other than that, the Jets didn't have any new injuries today. Robert Sala didn't give an update on Eccles after, so we'll wait till Monday when we find out more about that. So one of the, the few positives you could take from this game, and it was more than a few positives, but one of the big positives you can take from this game is that the Jets were able to get out of it relatively healthy. And, and Zach Wilson did take a couple of shots, but didn't really seem any worse for the wear. Andy, after the game, you got inside the locker room and had the opportunity to talk to a couple of the players and, of course, Coach Robert Sala. One thing that I thought was interesting that Robert Sala said was that it's okay for Zach Wilson to be boring and he needs to learn that. He's got electric talent, but he's got to learn to take the boring throws instead of the risky ones sometimes. And that really was the contrast here between Wilson and Mac Jones because that's more or less what Mac Jones did. He took what the defense gave him all day. He took a lot of those boring throws, but that's all the Patriots needed. And I thought it was a really effective game plan by McDaniels and it was executed very well by Mac Jones. And if Zach Wilson had been able to do that today, you and I were talking about this before we started recording. I think there's a very good chance the Jets would have won this game instead of losing in lopsided fashion. So tell me about what else Robert Salas said in the postgame presser. Plus, I know Zach Wilson spoke, Sheldon Rankin spoke, and so did Corey Davis. Yeah, there was a there was a lot of stuff to go over there. I mean, what you said was the most notable thing I thought Salah said, talking about how he needed to just play boring football and that, that it's okay sometimes. And, and Salah said that was probably the biggest lesson out of this game. Um, you know, he said that that Wilson never lost his confidence. He never considered pulling Wilson. Uh, that he just needs to kind of figure that part out and and they still feel good about him moving forward it was just a a rough day and and really when you look at what Salah said about 
being more conservative and, and playing boring. It, it is a criticism and, and that's what he felt was the biggest issue for Wilson today. Now Wilson was asked about it and he acknowledged that maybe he was trying to do too much, but at the end of the day, when he was asked if that defined his day, he said, no, I think it was execution. And he said execution and, and talked about his failures to do that uh, several times, maybe like 15 times during his post-game press conference, uh, which kind of tells you where his mindset is at. He thinks that more than anything, he just didn't make the throws the way he wanted to on Sunday. And, and that was the biggest issue. And he didn't see the field the way he wanted to. And that was the biggest issue. And if that's the case, it is something that can get rectified, but he needs to do it quickly because he's got a really tough defense he's facing next week. Corey Davis was asked about the second interception that Zach Wilson threw, and that was the one that was a high pass to Davis that he got both of his hands on, but it went through his hands and was picked off. Davis said that that was on me 100%. Uh, I should have caught that and took the blame for that. And he also talked about just – the frustration of losing a game like this. And, and he said, basically, the Jets just have to get back to work, put it behind them, and that's what, what teams do, good teams do. And we'll see if the Jets can do that next week. Um, other guys who talked, Sheldon Rankins was very insightful and very interesting and talked at length about the whole process that the Jets are going through right now and how it's difficult when you're starting from scratch and creating an, an entirely new culture and, and acknowledge that the culture wasn't very good here before. And when you're trying to do that with all new guys, it's going to take some time. He said that we just have to, you know, allow Wilson to make these mistakes without getting down on himself and, and build into this and that eventually the jets will get it rolling. Uh, obviously that day was not today, <laughs> but um, he expects for it to happen at some point in the future, but, basically preach patience, which has been a big message from the entire Jets organization moving forward. It's not what the fans want to hear after the past decade, but there is some truth to it. This is going to take some time, and what you're seeing now is is not the finished product. However, um, it needs to be better than what we saw today, especially from Zach Wilson. And until it is, it's and when it's not good enough and in what it is like today, you're going to see what you saw, which is – fans being upset and, and a lot of uh, gnashing of the teeth about what is going on right now. So uh, it was a rough day for the Jets overall because of the performance of Zach Wilson, but I think there's still some optimism in the locker room moving forward because the Jets showed a lot and they know that if Wilson can get it fixed, they're going to be a competitive team. And I think there's a lot of respect for Wilson in the locker room with the way that he handled getting hit so much week one. I, th I think there's some respect with the way that he handled the, the rough day to day. And um, th I think the locker room believes in this kid, but he's going to have to back it up with some good play. And with the Broncos and Titans next two tough opponents, it's not going to be easy. He's going to have to be much better than he was on Sunday against the Patriots. Andy Vasquez covering the Jets for NorthJersey.com. Thanks so much for coming on, as always, and talking with me about the Jets and the Patriots and the post-game post-mortem, if you will. Really appreciate it. For those that want to check out your work over at NorthJersey.com, you're going to have plenty to say this week, including your post-game breakdown, 
99 cents gets you six months of unlimited coverage over at NorthJersey.com. That's 99 cents for all six months, not 99 cents per month. So it's 15 cents a month. You get Andy's work. You get all the other local sports, all the other local news. It's a fantastic deal. I'm a subscriber. You should be too. Check it out over at NorthJersey.com. And Andy, when they do go to NorthJersey.com to read your work, what are they going to see this week? Yeah, well, right now on the website, we got a full breakdown of Zach Wilson's performance, the the not-so-great performance, but comments from Salah and Wilson about exactly what went wrong. Full breakdown of the game there. Also, a full explanation of the Denzel Mims and Jamison Crowder uh, situation such as it is. Uh, you know, a confusing situation, but I went into detail about that and what it means for the team going forward. Uh, we'll get more in-depth about what the Jets did well on Sunday. Uh, I'll have a post up on Monday morning about that and, and what they didn't do so well. And, and we're just going to go more in depth on the game, some takeaways. And then moving forward, getting you ready for the Broncos, uh, what Wilson needs to do to improve, what Mike LaFleur needs to do to improve, uh, why Corey Davis wasn't involved as much on Sunday and, w- and what that means going forward. And uh, what we saw from Elijah Moore, which was some flashes of talent, but still uh, not enough of a, of a contributions or not enough of a contribution to, to make a big impact today. And of course, a lot of that was on Wilson and then moving forward, what the, the solid performance from the offensive line means and the challenges the jets are going to face with a really stout defensive line against the Broncos. We're going to get into all that this week at NorthJersey.com, And I would encourage you to check it out and check out that, that great deal. I promise you won't regret uh, committing 15 cents a month to read my work. It's, it's pretty good. And I think you'll enjoy it. And like we said, Andy, it's not just your work. It's everybody's work at NorthJersey.com that you can get. Even the stuff behind the paywall for just 15 cents a month. So 99 cents for six months. Great deal. Check it out right now. Read all of Andy's work and follow him on Twitter at Andy underscore Vasquez. And check out everything we're doing at PlayLikeAJet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. Great videos up there from Luke Grant, the Thunder from Down Under. He's going to have some stuff in the wake of this game, some video breakdowns. Check it all out and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already. And make sure you give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and PlayLikeAJet.com.